host. Hello and welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 67, aka I've forgotten to give it any other title. It's a futile fall showdown, all family songs, etc, etc. Joined by Bill Rugby, an odour resembling hot dogs permeated his whole bedroom. How are you, Philip? <laughs> that is so weird. That is so weird. I was going to make a reference to the order of hot dogs as well in my comments. You've, you've gazumped me. We're nothing if not obvious. <laughs> Lord Sage Temple, love boat smashed against existence. <laughs> Very How much smashed against existence. Good, good. Very much smashed against existence. T-bone, Walker. the hole in the love boats. Beautiful. Uh, Brightboard head looks uncommonly like the London Planetarium. You know what? I'm going to make a half man half biscuit reference also later. But first of all, where's the 60 quid you borrowed off me for gas? <laughs> and took his smoke like the rest of it. <laughs> Joined possibly by Tiny Tim Twab with his clean neck, and he is on his first day. Is he with us? He's had several baths already. And I am three beards from the hotbed of creation in Dreamstead. But tonight, without any further ado, Alistair, you've got. One of your patented futures and pasts. What are you bringing tonight? Well, I've kind of like fallen into doing this one, like, uh, but it's like the uh, I'm covering the, the indie years for Sonic Youth. Um, um, not really looked into it a great deal. I was, I was like a huge fan at the time, like, you know, I was sort of about 16, 15 kind of thing. Um, found him very interesting. Uh, but there weren't a great deal that I'd been exposed to that sounded like that at the time. So that's probably why. Um, but yeah, New York band, um, you know, Thurston Moore, Kim Gordon, obvious sort of uh, pair in there. They've been in the band throughout <laughs> along with uh, Lee Ronaldo. Um, originally Bob Burt played drums for him. He uh, was in Pussy Galore as well. And, uh, I think he's back playing with John Spencer No, and he was also in the Cranks, who were a damn fine band. Um, well, yeah, they, you know, they started on the inside, you uh, well, the New York underground scene, and they, they were always, I don't know, a bit too kind of like pausey <laughs> in, in their own sort of like, oh, we're trying to be geeks. Uh, and you, you're thinking, no, nah, but I bet you're a bunch of fucking rich kids, really, like, you know, how can you afford all them guitars, you know? Um, but anyway, Brendan, play song. Let's have a listen to a couple chosen by you yourself. <laughs>
we go. We had um, I Dreamed, I Dreamed off the first album and Star Power off Evil, the third from uh, 86. What did uh, anything to add though? Should we find out what these other people think of Sonic Youth? Yeah, I mean, like, I Dreamed a Dream, like, I think that's like, um, that's one with Bob Burt playing on it, not Steve Shelley. Um, uh, but um, yeah, that, that's showing a lot of potential, I think, there, uh, like for the early days. And I think that's one of the more fally sounding ones that they've got, really. And Star Power is like from Evil. Which is just, I think that's my favourite Sonic Youth LP. And when it comes down to sort of like the LPs, I think the LPs are actually quite weak. You've got like one or two standout songs on them, and Lords, it just kind of like, you know, what's this? Like, you know, a bit up its own ass too much. You know, give, give me the Swans or the Bottle Surfers any day, like, but um, Evil is, is like a, a, you know, song after song, very good. You know, so, the pop yeah. band, at the end of the day, they, similar to the fall, they, they, they did some wonky stuff and some out there stuff, but they they were the best when they were writing decent tunes. That's why this year, especially Evil, and then Teenage Riot went, um, Dendium Nation went off a little bit. But then after that, for the next four or five records, it was it was pop, 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 pop. Yeah, I mean, the sister weren't that keen on either, like, but that was quite poppy. Like, in the, you can see why they got signed to Geffen, because um, it mm. was that four or five LPs, like so. Fair enough. Ezra, what's, uh, what's SY to you? Oh, quite a lot, I suppose. I mean, I don't listen to them that much anymore, but, you know, back in the day when I first got my pause on the Nirvanas, the thing that, you know, like the first Nirvana album I heard would have been Nevermind. And the thing that I really liked about it, apart from the pretty good songs and that, was this kind of howling sound that would often be at the beginning and ends of songs. And I was constantly like, why don't they do more of that howling? And of course, I would go on to find out that that was a thing called guitar feedback. And yeah, partly due to Kurt Cobain's um, recommendation, I picked up Dirty by the Sonic Youth and I was like, what? Oh, this band are just fucking amazing. And I think they were pretty amazing, really. Um, you know, they they consistently fought the corner of the underground scene and consistently promoted really interesting, really worthwhile music. Since last night I dreamt that I kissed Neil Young. If I was a boy, I guess it would be fun. Which, you know, I mean, for a teenager, it was pretty revelatory stuff back in those days. And it completely rewired my ideas of like gender and sexuality and for that I've got to say thanks Sonic Youth you know um, and yeah I, I'm, I am kind of with Al I, like you know with the uh, with the with the old hindsight I feel like their albums can be patchy uh, for me Sister is the best one followed closely by Evil and I really think that's the period where they were really fucking kicking balls yeah I'll give you that for sure I can see why the dirty ear and stuff was a bit too uh, clean if uh, you'll pardon the pun but um let's have a listen to, to um this chap's next two choices shall we Weather. What's it meant to do but work out where this is 
that's some good stuff. Good choice there, Al. So we heard um, Teenage Riot, Super Poppy, Super Poppy, great stuff off Daydream Nation, uh, 1988. And then, then a, a version of Brother James from 87. And what a, what a live act they were. I mean, that version of Brother James, it's not the, the studio version, which had Bob Burke playing on it, who mentioned before, uh, went on to work with John Spencer, who famously won the Pop Black Championship in 1978. I think it was coming on BBC Sport. Um, but yeah, uh, that one is it's a nice, hard ass sort of sounding song, and I'm you know not surprised they kept it in the set for so long, like because it's a it's, it's a good live one. As is Teenage Riot, which is like it's got an alright riff to it, but they, they always do these like breaks where they just drop down, and it, it's like formulaic. You, you can kind of predict it and see where it's going, and it happens too often. That's one of the things that kind of um, you know spoils it a little bit for me. But um, I'm also of the opinion that that Sonic Youth destroyed a vibrant US underground guitar scene um, by signing to Geffen then signing uh, Nirvana to Geffen and then Nirvana getting big and then all the fucking indies having the bands nicked off and by majors because they were all going right this is the new big thing um, and you know like a lot of integrity was lost uh, not many people made much money out of it a lot of people like lost all the back catalogue including the labels you know the, the, like the, the small indie labels had you know it's you know abandoned signed to a major they're then the major then on the back catalogue it was it was pretty nasty what went on in my opinion did far more corporate than the fall but i, I, I know you do know what you mean about with the pop thing and the underground thing and the experimental thing at times all right punk rock eh? be careful for rugby <laughs> youth any time for these characters um <clears throat> I, I i've never really got into sonic youth to be honest with you uh i mean the first album i actually remember buying is Murray street so that tells you i sort of late uh, yeah i was um and i do i remember accidentally picking up uh daydream nation and what's the first one called the one with the, the with um, one of that the uh the i dreams track is it just called sonic that's, youth that's oh, self-title yeah i'm not sure if it's a collection that but that's on right that's on sst which is like a, a, another fantastic Fantastic label, which you two nearly put out of business. Um, them and the bastard lawyers. Uh, the negative land uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was around about the time where they got Julian Cope kicked off Ireland. What a bunch of twats! Indeed. Yeah. I don't think no, nobody's arguing. Uh, nobody's fighting on the side of Bono in this conversation. Are you? <laughs> yeah, we, we can open up ten minutes for slugging off you two if you like. I'm, I'm oh yeah, go, on. go go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and and like we you saying, Phil, you know, you go into a bit like I I kind of have a soft spot for that era, the washing machine era into Thousand Leaves, and then into Morris Street kind of stuff, where they started to get a bit more the Jim Moore kind of influence came in. I think they were doing good stuff right up to the end, actually. And and yeah, Thurston Moore has championed underground stuff. So there there is a point that they ruined the underground, but there's also a point that they maybe opened a lot of doors for people. But then they didn't Thurston Moore have a bit of an argument with Steve Albini about that, wouldn't it? Really, was pushing back on it, saying they were buying in rather than selling out, and the fact that you know if a band is good and there is interest in them, you can't slag them off for being successful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just part of the the game, isn't it? Yeah. You mean Steve Albini, um, producer of Robert Plant and Jimmy Page's album? (laughs) No, surely not. (laughs) He did. He produced Walking Into 
clock still? <laughs> I would, um, I'd be talking with cheek though. Shall we finish up with your last two picks, Alistair? Doing a sterling job with these this evening. <laughs> there was one other thing, actually, I was just going to say before you just start that. The, um, the thing for me for Sonic Youth was always about experimentation with guitars. I remember being introduced to them by somebody describing them as a bit like the Pixies where they shove drumsticks through the guitar strings. Um, <clears throat> and that that was, to, to my mind, that was always what Sonic Youth was. It was this very um, experimental, but not in... In, not in a Beatles sense, but in a much more kind of uh, prepared piano kind of sense. And I, the only thing I know, I don't, I know very little about them, but I know that his dad was a, a musical academic, wasn't he? Okay. Um, so it strikes me that it's it's, it's uh, just referencing Al's earlier comment. They probably were middle class kids. Uh, with a few quid to, to burn. I think they were from out there in Massachusetts land. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, not that you can do much about that, but it, it does kind of uh, influence your tech. No, the interesting thing is, like, I guess Al at that time was coming from a wilder kind of area, and so he was disappointed in Sonic Youth, whereas I was coming from the Stone Roses and the Inspiral Carpets and, the, and Nirvana, <laughs> and they were blowing my mind, right? So it's, it's your perspective. Mm. What we didn't mention, probably for the best, is that they did a f- appeal session where they covered full songs, and it, it wasn't that great. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I I've got that a great leg of that on vinyl, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you had the uh, Expressway to Your Skull, which is off Evil again, which is like cracking LP. I think it's the last song on there. That one re- like really reminds me of something like Sebado, which then again like made me think, you know, like when you know Sonic Youth signed to a major. If you look at the contemporaries, like uh, American Underground sort of stuff, uh, Sebado was one of them, and like you know they were fucking shitting on them from a great height Sebado like you know they were turning out some really good strong pop songs uh, with some very interesting subject matter 
Um, Indeed. Yeah, but there was tons of other bands that were just doing things that were far more interesting. And they, like, with Sonic, they just got like dead pedestrian when they started doing things like, like Macaulay Culkin in the videos. It was just like, no, no. Hey, we'll have no Macaulay Culkin bashing on my shit. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the main event. Thank you very much for, for doing the duty. We had to do Sonic Youth at one point, and uh, you know, you pulled the short straw, Al, and you did a good job. So thank you very much. Um, uh, tonight, Industrial Estate versus Disney's Dream Debased, Athlete Cured versus Hillary, Das Vulture Eins Nutterans versus Jap Kid versus You're Not Up to Much. What? And finally, The Right Stuff versus Chino. Now, why are the three songs up against each other? If you already know, I'm not telling you again. First up, let's have a listen to Industrial Estate off Live at the Witch Charles. If you don't mind, Philip, this is the point where you tell me that I haven't given you sharing screen options. It's actually saying you've disabled my ability to do it. There you go. You've stopped glitching as well, which is a bit disappointing. <laughs> Philip, you're up first. Post-punk classic or shameless parody? It doesn't get any better than this, does it? This is it. This is the best. It's called it. the best of all time. It's uh, it, it's a fun knockabout record, but I, I, and it's you know there's there's lots of stuff going for it. Lots of youthful energy. Lots of brashness. Lots of Johnny Rotten. Lots of funk with a capital P. Uh, it's it's kind of it's it's very much getting it all at your system song, isn't it? Right at the start of the career. Um, it's fun. Uh, I think the production's a bit flat on the record. Mostly, it's it's not got a lot of relief. The the kind of the worst thing is also the best thing about it isn't it which is that moronic riff kind of goes all the way through uh, 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 uh. Um, which does you know it works for the song itself is is all fine but um, it's very incessant it's very plinky plonky the yeah yeah mantra is um, juvenile shall we say it's not the greatest thing they ever come up with um, and just when you think it's disappeared it comes back again with a little strong feels forever type gimmick at the end of it all so it doesn't last very long it's a little punk thing isn't it um it's okay they would do much better yeah i i didn't realize until now until this week how short it was it's it's like a minute <laughs> oh and i'll be cut the intro thing and, the, and that fake ending it's like a minute of of that but yeah hey, so what what's industrial estate do for you it's smashing very smashing <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean you know like first of all you you've got the wonder of just a song about an industrial estate that's something Paul were definitely the first to do and God bless him for that um, it, it's interesting because you know inevitably with the futures and pasts on Sonic Youth my question with Sonic Youth vis-a-vis the fall is how much did they cop and you listen to the opening of Industrial Estate and that kind of like harmonic guitar playing you know where they're just 
that's fairly i mean so many bands have kind of taken taken that and run with it haven't they um but yeah you know i mean as phil said it's a slight song but it's like a man with an incredibly effective but tiny penis alistair (laughs) talking about tiny penises (laughs) i wasn't gonna i wasn't going to say anything Yeah, you pretty much what everybody else has said. Like, it's, it's enjoyable enough. Like, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a novelty one. Like, I think um, very much of its time. Like, um, I don't I don't mind. Like, well, I quite, quite like Witch Trials. It's, it's definitely got its own charm to it. Uh, and you know, this is part of the charm. But it's not it's not like a, a thoroughly outstanding song, is it? It's just memorable. No, and if if Witch Trials was all we have, if they if they just did that one album we said before, it would be fine. It'd be good, and you you know stuff like repetition, stuff like fright, and, and this that they they are nice, they are good, they have their stuff. But they just, as Phil said, they went on to do so much better. But you know, as this, you know, this is weird punk. It's it, it is post punk. It is it's not punk rock. So they're doing something different already early on, and and. I do prefer yeah, that, that. It was put, it was put out quite a bit later, wasn't it? Uh, Witch Trials and when it was recorded. So you know, uh, in, in a way, it's weird that they, they got away with um, putting out an LP like that when you had all the punk clash. You know, when it was so unfashionable, it, well, it was becoming more unfashionable. Uh, yeah. So you know, it, that that's weird in my, what my makes this post-punk as opposed to punk in your opinion I just think that it's got the, the riffs a bit wonkier and it's a bit more knowing of itself with that yeah yeah chant it's not um, the earnest uh, straight down the line rock and roll punk of say God Save the Queen or some of the, the Clash stuff or and especially not the oi kind of end of the spectrum this is it's weirder it's it's yeah he's singing about industrial estate and basically he says like you know it was a hard poem he described it as he wrote it at work so you know the group wanted him to write about velvet shiny leather and the moon but so as a compromise a compromise he wrote the yeah yeah bit in there so it's like and this sub stooges uh riff to go with it and people didn't like it but he didn't care so uh, for me that's it's it's not cool punk and I don't think like the criticism we threw at Sonic Youth have been poses. I don't think it's that either. I think it's just Smith's sensibility of like half taking the piss out of punk while actually kind of still doing it. So Brendan, yeah. do you think it's it's like a northern version of punk? Um it, it is. It, it doesn't sound like you know, like your bog standard sort of like vapors or you know, like saying Sham sixty nine before, does it? You know, no. I think the keyboards and the fact that he endured, like the keyboards were central on that, which Charles was weird and uncool and like made it not straight down the line punk. Um, cause yeah, if it had just been those clanging kind of guitars, yeah, that's, it's still a little bit more experimental than punk got known for being a bit, bit bog standard. Um, and he does say at one point, watch out for Iniesta, which is a very good pre-cog line for the 2014 World Cup. So well ahead of the game there, Mark. Uh, Carl Burns is doing some great stuff on there, undulating and pushing. Uh, and the chintzy keys is is the witch trial sounds and that yeah yeah it kind of pushes 
pushes it along. Um, and yeah, a minute. What's not what's not to love about this? I ask. No one, because there's no one left. Tim, what do you what's not to love about this? Oh, oh, it'll tell you. Fairly straight early punk, but really fucking good straight up early punk. Some of the best stuff in this style they did. Great lyrics, great hooks, love it. Indeed. It is up against Disney's Dream Debased, which was from the Escape Route EP with the wonderful and frightening in 1984. <laughs> The dodgy transformer reminds me a lot of um, all I want for Christmas is Juka Plague Away Kit by, by um, Half Man Half Biscuit, which was a similar ta- similar era actually. But, um, but a really sweet song, Ezra Disney's Dream Debased. Mm, a smashing weirdo. It's and you know going back to fucking Sonic Youth once more. This is probably one thing that the Fall really pioneered is using like kind of detuned guitars in what might be otherwise somewhat saccharine kind of songs to just like you know slightly undermine the cloyingness of it um and of course they started doing that because well they started playing out of tune because they couldn't play their instruments properly at the start but i feel at this point they're probably doing it on purpose and it's a great fucking song um apparently it's about true event that uh smith witnessed with bricks and i think it was bricks's grandfather or maybe grandparents where they saw a woman beheaded on a ride in a tragic accident on a ride called, I think it was the Matterhorn at Disneyland. And I mean, if that's not something to write a song about, what is? I think uh, Bricks wrote about it in her book. And um, he, like, Bricks and MES went on that ride about half an hour, like before it happened. And uh, Bricks was saying, like, uh, as soon as like the safety gear went in and it was trapped in, in the, the, the ride, Smith was like, get me out of here. This is evil. This is fucking evil. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Now get me out of here. Like a sort of like preco thing. And she goes on about that quite vividly. Like, you know, uh, that's a very interesting sort of little... uh story from Brix's book but sorry I interrupted you Ezra <laughs> no worries no that's fine you go ahead I'm done <laughs> yeah I'll, so yeah tell us more what do you what do you make of the song I think it's really really nice like um, the lead guitar on it the kind of like country sounding thing with like a bit of reverb on it that really reminds me of something off Bummed you know like, like proper like Monday sound to it but the song just, it's, it's that like perfect sort of kinksy pop quality to it. Um, that's really quite nice. It's, it's, it's a dead competent song and it's it's just weird that they put it on a B-side. Well, it, it definitely predates This Nation's Saving Grace, but it's at a period when Bricks had only just shown up. So I wonder to what extent, but you know, B-side for the four, what does that mean? I mean, that Escape Route EP that they put in is, is great. And <laughs> it's, it's just sort of like the, the decisions that were better. 
said. Yeah. He, he just like, boggling at terms. I think, again, we've said this before, but I've heard him say that they were working from that old 60s model of you don't put the singles on the albums, right? So, you, you, you know, you kind of, this is a good song and it goes on the EP because that sells the EP. No point putting it on both. Um, nice, phased kind of mez vocal. And like you're saying, Ezra, it could have been totally saccharine, but once Smith starts singing in his own style and then those kind of like undertones are coming in from the guitars um for me i think it could have even been gentle i think the guitar and bass still go pretty hard on this and they could have uh, they could have come down a little bit um yeah maybe one of the earliest ones where bricks and craig were playing guitar maybe that's where that sound came from it's it's beautiful and what are the odds of going to disneyland for the first time and having someone decapitated while you're there it, it, it was normal it's part of the show <laughs> it's been verified i mean in any, I, I would just be like there's no way that happened in any of that would <laughs> it'd be like smith that did not happen but apparently it has been corroborated by the good people at the annotated fall amongst others that there was a woman killed on that day in in disneyland unbelievable mickey mouse was laughing away mark thought it was like a bad bad trip said said bricks there was blood on the ground blood on the sand tracks of the ride of the bright murder hawk the day the dream debased and went home and those people did mill to those adrenaline rail the nurses climbed up our faces pale and there was no doubt no two ways about it disney's dream debased uh beautiful beautiful uh lyrics Philip, what do you make of it? Well, it's certainly my favourite decapitation song. There's no two ways about it. It's uh, it, <laughs> it's great. It really is a great song. This musically, um, it's it's very very interesting. Like the others have picked up on. You've got this quite interesting doubling up between bass and guitar that's going on. Um, I think Al nailed it in, ter- in tone sort of wise. It does sound just like that uh, that early Monday stuff. Um, and I I also thought. Weirdly, to my ear, it actually sounds like a bit of a Bacharach tune. Yeah, the chord changes in it, it really feels to me like it's got that Bacharach kind of, um, like it's implying a certain melody there. Um, and then you've got this very weird atonal kind of hook, that almost Schoenberg kind of um, dissonance that they're using in it, which is very incongruent to the whole sugary kind of uh, vibe that they've got going on, but it works beautifully. I think it's it's like um, it's part of that jigsaw that comes together, isn't it? Where they've got these very sweet bits of production and tone and stuff going on with like Mark's more kind of grumpy, discordant kind of vocals going on. It just all comes together beautifully. This it's it's really it's it's grown on me so much. This song I've looked forward to it coming on every single time. Um, so yeah, very very impressed with it. Um, and it, and also the it, I think it also sort of foreshadows a bit of Sparta FC and some of those kind. The songs as well, the culture, the, the the chorus parts of it. Um, so yeah, very interesting song. Yeah, sweet. The the backtrack thing almost. I, I get that. Um, deceptively simple. Sounds like um, it's it's got that. It's got a lot going on, but it's still easy on the ear and. Um, yeah, I think when they get to this nation saving grace, one of the reasons why we we have probably not liked it as much as as that as stuff like this is because it kind of misses that discordant stuff a bit. Once they get into the actual more poppy stuff, that kind of takes a backseat, unfortunately. 
But uh, let's round out by seeing what, what Tim thinks. It's put, love this one too. Sort of melancholy surf sound. Not much else like it. And a horrid story treated beautifully. Sort of impressionistic. I love the way it switches into that weird guitar riff. So on paper, Man in the Street, Industrial Estate versus Disney's Dream. No, no. No competition, but um, go a different way. Mind it, Philip, which way are you going? Uh, well, kids, I'm going with Mickey. Oh, la, la, Mickey, Mickey Mouse, who may be out of uh, in the public domain at the end of next year. Really? Oh, yeah, yes, indeed. Um, Ezra, which way are you going? Yep, Disney's dream debased. Might all be over. Alistair? Debaser. It's done. It's a done deal. I, I was torn, but I still think I'm going for industrial estate. Um, don't matter now, though, does it? What does Tim think? Oh, loser. Don't be the Tim think? <laughs> He's gone Disney too. Ah, all right. So Disney debased goes through and industrial estate. We were playing new rules. We'd all get a point and you'd get nothing. I know. <laughs> Unless, of course, I would have uh, um, disingenuously voted for Disney, knowing that it was already a done deal. <laughs> um, now we're up against... Something, a little something that they cooked up in the studio called Athlete Cured. Let's have a listen. The one we've all been looking forward to. I'll make sure I play the introduction. We wanted a story song, Mark. We love your story songs, but I'm not sure if this is a compromise we're prepared to take. Um, Alistair, Athlete Cured Friends Experiment, 1988. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just wondering how they cured the athletes. Did they pickle them? Did they smoke them? Um, Man, he's probably had a smoke and he's a bit pickled anyway by the time he'd gone in the studio. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what the story is that you're referring to, Brendan, because um, I'm not really good with listening to lyrics, but you know, it's just the, 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 it's the spinal tap riff in it, like with the bass and the drums. I do actually think the guitar does a good job of it because, like, you know, if you programmed into like, all right, th- 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 this is the riff, it's a spinal tap one, uh, and you've got the, the drum and the bass uh, player doing the riff, it's like you have to recondition yourself in y- your mind as to how you approach the song. And I think the guitar has actually not done a bad job of it. Uh, but yeah, there's a shitload of recycling going on in there from, uh, uh, you know, Wipeout to um, Tonight We're Going to Rock It, is it called? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's amusing. Again, it's another bit of a, of a novelty one, like, but um, there's a bit of energy to it. So, yeah, it's a fair play. Fair play indeed. Um, so the story itself is relatively straight ahead. And this this um, Lord Herc has done a fantastic poster, cartoon poster that you can buy of Athlete Cured. Um, which goes through the story of this German uh, athletic star who was ill, and the doctors uh, were were puzzled from this odor in his room that smelled of hot dogs. 
and uh, they watched his brother, who was handsome and slightly uh, curless, and um, they they thought that maybe some some exhaust fumes had been flowing through his window, and this had started making the athlete bad, and um, <laughs> he was basically taken away from the by the East German police and put put into a prison camp and never seen again. Um, Labour beautification, exactly, which apparently was the terminology used uh, at least somewhat by um, the Badens back in the old uh, pre-East Germany days. But yes, it, it is hard to get by, get past the fact that it is dun, 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 which is, which is amazing. And if you didn't know it was Spinal Tap, you'd be like, yeah, awesome, but it is Spinal Tap. And Hanley doesn't stray from it for a second. There's five minutes and he doesn't stop playing that riff. And you, you know that Smith is because it's like okay they've done it for a bit and buried it in the mix and gone off and done some other stuff maybe but no it's just <laughs> and the wipeout thing at the beginning but the the story love it and and the fact the backstory that they had a big fight in the studio because Simon Simon Pampite Rogers refused to produce it because of the uh, note for note <laughs> The note for note theft <laughs> of tonight I'm going to rock you. Uh, Smith denying that he'd ever heard it before, even though clearly they've been watching Spinal Tap on the buzz, like you said a while back ago, for like months. Um, from the hotbed of creation in Dreams. Why am I getting a flashback being in rehearsal rooms and studios with you, Brendan, with a whole band saying that bit is rubbish and you going, no, that is the best bit. Well, it was the, the best, best bit. bit it was the best bit. Sometimes you just need to, to listen. Um, look under, the cure was in, in no pill. From certain facts, you have to go on and further, and often it is better to go around or look under the windowsill. So um, the top, 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 top stuff, top, top thievery, top storytelling. Come on, Phil, you love this, don't you? I can't shake off that intro, because to me, I don't hear Wipeout. I hear some kind of friendly racist kind of reference to, like, live and let die or something. Um, you know, the, the song itself is... It is interesting. It's got this weird kind of... It sounded like Merton Hannett's made kind of production on it, especially with that electro drubby kind of noise that keeps coming into it. Um, there is loads of... It's very uh, nice energy about the song. It kind of just bounces along all the way through and it's, it, it does not oversight its one at all. Some nice little touches. Uh, it's got those... <laughs> It was good enough to rip off the Beastie Boys like that. Um, Fat Boys, was it that? Fat Boys and the Beach Boys, Wipeout, Top who is it? Who, um, who is it who actually does it on the record? That's Smith, I'm sure. <laughs> really? I think so. Yeah, who do you really. think it? Who do you think it is, Phil? I thought I no, I didn't think it was Smith. I thought he would have got somebody else to do it. I didn't think he'd debase himself like that. Just my tech. What's Tim think? Well, I'm in two minds whether to tell you or not. No, couldn't oh. care less about the pilfered riff. This is prime fault and so much better than most of the puppets around it. Love the wank drum hurricanes and the lyrics make me chuckle every time. Classic stuff. Classic stuff indeed, Ezra. Classic stuff or not? Very classical. The cream of the class. 
classics we've got here. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I honestly think Marky e. Smith just didn't recognize it because when I first heard this song, despite having seen Spinal Tap quite a few times, I didn't recognize it either. And it, it wasn't until someone or some article told me that it was, in fact, the riff from a Spinal Tap song that I realized. So, you know, he wasn't a musician. Fair enough. I am. Um... I did play it a while back to my good lady wife, back to back, and she was like, yeah, they don't sound that similar. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, e- even even then, with that lift, musically, there's a lot of nice stuff going in. We've got the kind of snare machine drum paroxysms. Um, you've got the kind of, like, slowly accruing la- layers of chaos coming over the top throughout the song. And he does a lot of kind of um, effecting of his voice. You know, it's switching between, like, megaphone, and just various effects or whatever. I wonder if that was all kind of like edited together in the studio from various takes, possible. And yeah, and on top of that, you've got this really interesting lyric. I mean, I was wondering, is this the last kind of story track that he really did? At least the last one that made any sense. And it really seems to be not much at all. It's just about um, an East German athlete whose brother packs the car under his bedroom and leaves the engine running so he gets sick. But, you know, he's constantly like, as has been said, the cure is in the pill. The cure is no pill, sorry. And look under, look under the windowsill. And so you can't help thinking that somehow this is all going to tie up somehow. But I'm going to save that discussion for when we talk about it in the second round. Yes, this being M. Smith, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, Yeah, I think maybe... Friends Experiment is the last place where he, for example, um, um, Bremen Nacht is a, I just think, Bremen Nacht is also kind of a, a bit of a story song, quite together, um, and a few others. Um, what am I thinking of here? Oh, guest informant, maybe. But um, yeah, I don't think there's many more after this. Um, curious, I mean, he's like pretty much a story, isn't it? You know, the full LP could could well be. There's bits here and there, but this is definitely towards um the end of it for sure. Um, have we heard everyone? That's, that's everyone now, isn't it? I think so. Let's hear Hillary offer extricate what it is up against. So that first bit, ding, 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 ding. That's, I can hear the grass grow, right? Which they actually do cop about 10 years later. Um, and then, the, uh, who, who, is it Buddy Holly? Is it Morrissey? Is he ripping <laughs> off the, I don't know. But uh, nice counter melodies going on. Maybe Craig, maybe Brammer. It's not sure. Sh- I'm not sure. But pretty generic riffage and drums. Nice enough. Indie. Um, possibly referring to his next door neighbor, Hillary, or or one of the wives. 
leaves of Tony Wilson, says the annotated fall, <laughs> who did some, um, who directed the videos for Shift Work and a few others for the fall. So, um, Brammer apparently says that it's a ripoff of a horse with a no name by America, but there, I can see no resemblance there whatsoever. Uh, remember when you needed three caps of speed to get out of bed and now you're an ecstasy, Hillary, with your daft African pop and that wine you call Bull's Blood. Nice. Good stuff. Um, Al, what about you? It's a cheeky little number. Um, I've had it as an earworm before now, but it's, it's one of those that I bought when it came out and um, didn't have quite as many records then, so it probably got played more. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just kind of thought it was one of those, like you've been watching TV, you're liking it as you know, part of the plot line for Brookside or Crossroads or something. Uh, but yeah, 60 quid for gas, that lasts you about two hours nowadays. Satire. Boom. What about Phil Rigby? It's fun, isn't it? It's a fun song, this one. It's, it's one of those great lyrics like, uh, you're a good lad, he's a pound notes kind of things that just kind of sticks in your head, isn't it? It's so uh, unusual these days to have an um, actual slice of life lyric uh, in a pop song. And it is, it's just a pop song, isn't it? I, and I don't mean just in a very Sense. I mean, as in, it does things that pop songs are supposed to do. It's light and catchy, and like I'll say, it'll be a bit of an earworm for you because it does get in your head. He's pulling out all these little tricks, in all these little rock and roll stutters and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, nothing to complain about. It's not going to change the world, but pop music's not supposed to, really, is it? It's supposed to just be you know, a nice bit of uh, escapism for a few minutes. Yeah, uh, for me, it is a bit bit too generic. It doesn't have enough gone, but I cannot argue with that it's a nice, sweet tune. What does um, our man on the other side think well I shall let you know that open up the psychic rice pair he says just really shit pop music with nothing to make it stand out not for me boo boo hiss uh, and uh, Ezra what uh, what did Hillary do or not do for you to me this is the kind of song you just can't deny you know like it, it, it it's been an, I, it wasn't the first time I heard it on this playlist but so every time I've heard it it has just lodged itself in my head and it's just been like Hillary oh Hillary and like you know that's that is what a lot of music is supposed to do by certain criteria and yeah you know I love the lyrics I love the fact that Marky Smith is singing it like he's like Buddy Holly with fucking uh Tourette's or something like with the with the kind of like <laughs> he really sounds like you know they're being forced out of him rather than he's actually choosing to make those sounds. So yeah, I think it's hilarious, catchy, and poppy. Sweet, sweet. It, it, it might go down to the wire then. So let's have a let's have a gander at what people think. Alistair, which way are you going? You going with Athlete Cured or Hillary? I'm going Hillary, I think. Oh la la. I'm throwing my hat in with Athlete Cured. What about you, Phil? Uh, it's a bit of a tough one for me, this. I think I'm going to go with Hillary. Ooh, doesn't matter, does it? Numbers don't don't add up. Which way are you going, Ezra? Got to be Athlete Cured, then. It has indeed, and that, uh, I believe, Tim, from his disdain for Hillary, uh, what's it, over the line? Gone. Yeah, all three, Athlete Cured. Absolutely, so Athlete Cured goes through, and we will get to hear Ezra um, tie up that story into a nice neat East German knot. But let's let's stay with Germany, shall we? And go into Das Wulcher ans ein Nutterwein of the Light User Syndrome 1996. <laughs> 
Pippin, coming to you first, what do you make of this bonkers tune? Oh, I fucking loved it, mate. Awesomeness. Awesomeness. It's it's fucking heavy and it's got loads of gnarliness about it. And then over the top of it, that beautiful B movie organ keyboard that Eleni's playing all the top of it. Is it Eleni? Or is it uh no it's Nagel? It? It's Na- it's Nagel back in them days. Yeah. And so I, I adored this. It's got everything that I really, really like. Uh, it's got shouty mark, shouting in German, nonetheless, bit of tuneless crooning, bit of shellac punch in the, in the back mix. The keyboard reminded me, I know we've referenced like Carnival of Souls in the past and sort of B mood arts like Jesus Franco and stuff. And that keyboard, it just really reminds me of that kind of, it's a real juxtaposition of, of heavy, heavy, uh, rock music music plus this light sort of wilting keyboard on the top of it I think it really works I think it all comes together this this is kind of what I come to the fall for all this stuff um, and so I enjoyed it immensely um, yeah I don't really have anything else to say yeah cat candid jazzing do you, do you reckon is Julia uh, Nagel deliberately playing those kind of clusters and chords or do you think it's Smith maybe banging away I don't know because you could, it could quite easily be either it's it's uh, it's not following the um the, the, the rhythm section as such is it it's more swirly than that it's a bit like um, some of the stuff Rick Wright used to do when Pink Floyd first started that kind of metal live at Pompeii kind of era where it's just building up the atmosphere isn't it yeah and, and it's, it's just continuing the run of of top class um, light user stuff and it was interesting we read Renegade last week and he, he in, there says Renegade was blasted as being him being whiskey soused and he didn't himself think um like it was a major album though he didn't he didn't say anything bad about it but it's like it's one of the best it's got hit after hit even yeah. though he pep did get voted out several times I'm thinking of I'm thinking of I'm thinking of making the heap up loophole bringing it back in regardless <laughs> if we all vote up. if we all vote for heap up we can we can put it in believe if we all believe if we, we all believe in the pep um, Alistair, what did this one do for you? Well, going back to the heap up thing, I think I'm probably responsible for voting it off twice already, so... Get him! Possibly my fault, lads. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's like nice minimalistic approach to it. Like, yeah, I love the... Uh, Smith Shaten in German is uh, always a lot of fun, isn't it? Um, ah! <laughs> and yeah, the, that dirty bass sound with the sort of like fairly repetitive drums, that's all quite nice. And, you know, I feel kind of like uh, got into the, the keyboard side of things. And in my notes here, I've just put... Uh, it sounds like they borrowed little Frank said to play the keyboards. Nice touch. Because um, it is dead similar to sort of like when you surf, so like Frank and he'd be doing like left hand one thing with the, the keyboard and then he'd be like doing the solo with little Frank said, just not paying attention, just going, Meh. Um, yeah, so um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, like it. Indeed. Um, that heavy, distorted riffage is obnoxious, as is Mez shouting in both of your ears. And then there's all these, um, like splash symbols just everywhere that, that are kind of like either samples or like gated to a ridiculous degree that they just stop. <laughs> They just go, and they just kind of like, but there's two drummers, so maybe they're both just like twatting the, the 
and then catching it like this. Um, did you, Al, did you notice the influence there of the two drums? Because you've got Funky Sai and Carl Burns on this, in theory. It's not, I prefer it when you've got like a slow pace, one where you've got like one drummer doing, playing air rhythm and the other one kind of like complementing, but using like a different timing, if you know what I mean. So like one will be doing like eights and one will be doing fours. Um, with this, it's, it's just like, so it's like they're, they're both doing the same thing at, at the same time. But I mean, like there, there is around me a little bit of like something like lightning bolts or something like that you know it's just like dirty ass you know early lightning bolt they have termed out quite a bit since um but yeah it's, it's, it's got like a, a really nasty vibe to it hasn't it like you know it's not, nice. it's not easy it's nice. yeah. no 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 it's it's nice and um mez could have done more if he put like a proper quote-unquote lyrics over it but he went for that really repetitive shaky stuff and it really does work um apparently again Danny and the, the boys over there at the Annotated Fall have tried to work out what the title means. The vulture lands on the nut wagon is my favourite tra uh, possible translation, but it, it doesn't mean anything. It's um, As Bricks said, uh, Mark doesn't know German at all, but that doesn't stop him from speaking it. Uh, <laughs> I think he learns it from Nazi war movies. Um, yeah, it's, it's top-notch, dirty, grimy fall. Give me more. Give me more. What uh, does Tim 3 think? He has put brutal-sounding nonsense lyrics, great synth scree, like a vampire without any teeth sucking at a neck in desperation. Glorious. Beautiful. And Ezra, this has got to float all of your boats, surely. Pretty much most boats were floated by this. Um, yeah, I mean, as Hillary was a perfect pop song, for me, this is pretty much a perfect rock song. This is all I want. And yeah, you know, the sadly underutilized kind of technique of having someone just bash keyboards at random is something that belongs in every good fucking rock tune. And yeah, great. It, it's all, it's in German. Das Vulture. It's ein Nutterwein. What does it all mean? Who knows? But fucking smashing top-notch business. Indeed. Indeed. What does Tim think? Just told you. Forgotten. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> I said it was good some about vampires with no teeth no, said, brilliant he said it's like a toothless vampire he's, he's very very clever he's a very clever it's like man poetry. it's like poetry now this one I saw the puzzled look on some people's faces early why is there three in this era because these are the last three songs from this time period left in round one can you believe it we are almost there the light at the end of the tunnel is the light of an oncoming train to make a third half man half biscuit reference of the got evening. Got the hat trick. Got the hat trick. Well done. Um, so this this is the ninety four to two thousand and one era. We're, we're done. So this is a three way, and we're just one of them's going through. But we're going to listen to uh, Jap Kid of Levitate, nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> Looking, looking to see if it does anything else. It doesn't. That's it. It's a nice somber-ish Nagel piano tune. Um, already we've we've covered it as I come and stand at your door, which for me I thought was a beautiful tune and um, snuck through, even though it was a cover. 
could have this could have cleverly been used to bookend the LP, maybe like um, this nation saving grace, but actually not really sure what the point of it is or the context. I know what Tim's going to say that it was just put in there to fill out the running time, but I don't know if that's the case because there were a few levitate songs that went on B sides and stuff that could have gone on the album easily. So I think it was a conscious decision. It's nice, but I'm not. I'm really not sure if it adds anything to um, what we've already got. What do, you, what do you reckon, Ezra? Well, for me, yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of adds to the ketamine adult ambience of the record in general. <laughs> it's just some fucking diabolical loop playing over and over. So, yeah, you know, I, I think it's hilarious. I, I love the weird racist title as well. Um, but, yeah, what more can you do with it than that? You know, yeah. put it on to annoy your friends. I know. I, I, it's kind of sweet. It's uh, It's got a B-sidey vibe. And uh, I can only, I'm not going to let Mark off, but I can say I can imagine that he couldn't remember what the song was about. And that was, this is how he referred to it as because, the actual original lyrics of the song are about um, the ghost of a Japanese child in the um, the Pete Seeger um, version. Like grave, of the, grave of the Fireflies. Like, yeah, so. I can't quite remember, but it, because it was originally Pete Seeger, and then it was covered by the Birds, and then this is then um, then this is this is the their version of it, and it, it is is beautiful and haunting the the um, version with the lyrics, but um, still. Let's have a see what Al thinks. He doesn't think. So. Well, I just try not to think at all. If I can, like, just give your brain a bit of a rest, like, you know. Um, not much to say about it, really. Like, you know, we've, we've kind of already spoke about it with Jap Kid. Uh, well, sorry, with uh, Stand Outside Your Door. Like, but this, was, yeah, there's not a, a great deal of purpose to it, but it sounds nice. Indeed. The fall instrumentals. It's like, you know, it's got its work cut out at the best of times. What does Phil think? Uh, well, I've been trying to think of some comments there, but to be honest, I, I think I, I totally agree with Ezra. It's it's an album track, this, isn't it? And it suits the album vibe. Uh, it is that whole kind of careful kind of vibe. Um, but I think for my, for the, for the part of the competition, it's another instrument. I've got Mark on it, so I'm not kind of uh, overly positive about it. But yeah, it's it's that, it's got that whole sober thing going on hasn't it uh, being a bit of a shit on the album but it is, it is what it is and it's another bit of uh, friendly racism Paul exactly I think Tim might have a soft spot for this let's hear what he says uh, he's put pointless instrumental version of what elsewhere is a great track that's exactly what I thought he'd say mm. um, moving on to you're not up to much off middle class revolt the very last era three song of round one we've done it lads <laughs> We've done it. First 
couple of listens on this it didn't do a lot but every time i listened to it after that that change at about 30 seconds where the chords change underneath and smith continues singing that kind of one note thing is really nice he's got um he's kind of the whole tension of the song with the song itself is all right it's got a nice if somewhat indistinct bass and guitar that are mixed into mush the drums way down but they've got a nice groove going on um but yeah i think smith nails it with that kind of like one note line that really kind of is it would put some tension into the, the song and then as those those chords change underneath it it's beautiful it reminds me of um this the, the street fighting man by the stones is totally different but but jagger does something really good in that that, that differentiates it from like a standard rhythm and blues song and he's singing the like a note like a melody that's against the the kind of melody of the of the instruments and it puts this tension in there um and smith i'm guessing just instinctively does that um but where's dave bush i ask i'm not dave bush in this song um, beautiful and i think there's some lyrical references to um the doors five to one possibly because um um and this was this was on the annotated fall as well but um you know the ballroom days are over night is drawing near and um and th that kind of um the doors is a weird one there seem to be a lot of doors references scattered through the false catalogue here and there we did love street the other week and but never explicit i've never heard smith talk about the doors at all or craig or whoever so um but yeah it's it's a nice one um not up to much maybe but um maybe just I mean, up to enough i think jim morrison was one of those alternative frontman that was quite popular in manchester though wasn't he like you know, like an Iggy Pop or Lou Reed or something like that. Literally, not exactly um, your, your obvious Mick Jagger type frontman or Robert Plant's that type of thing. It was something slightly more quirky, wasn't it, and darker and that kind of thing. So I hear loads of dogs in the fall. So I think it's I think they were a big influence on. Yeah, um, and this was I, before I, the Val Kilmer movie ruined it. Before the Val Kilmer, yeah, before they were fans. Um, I, I really, really liked this. But um, I am a sucker for this album. I've got a huge soft spot for it. And but I, I I really like this song, and it's one that I've been meaning to pick my guitar up at and try and work out this week because it just sounds like a lot of fun flair. Um, like you you've nailed it's it's got that lovely. Um, I think Lennon does this quite a lot in his songs as well, where you maintain the melody but you change the chordal sort of accompaniment in the background, and it's I think it's something where singers who are interested in melody but perhaps might not as much range uh they tend to kind of use that trick um which is great um and i think it i think how dare you <laughs> oh you use lots of tricks you use that one when you sing in a completely out of key and, and all that kind of stuff and then in total different rhythms uh or where you're playing different chords to the rest of the band that's the that's my favorite um i i also heard a bit of roxy music in this i heard do the strands i i i heard that rhythm and that melody that bit of sort of uh I don't and I don't know whether they, they, he was a fan of Ferry or uh, Eno or anything like that. But again, they kind of come under that Bowie Lou Reed kind of vibe, don't they? Of slightly not mainstream, slightly to the fringe. Um, but I did hear a bit of that going on with it. And uh, yeah, I I, I I like this tune. I think it's a really decent pop tune. And like the 
um, earlier one as well, actually, um, uh, Disney's Dream Debased. It's got like a little little quirkiness about it. It's a pop song, but it's it's got like a little bit of oddness to keep you interested. Yeah, I like it. Fair enough. I'd be surprised again. I don't know if um, I don't know if I've ever heard any of them mention Roxy Music, but I'd be really surprised if they didn't like at least the couple of the first couple of Roxy Music albums because that's great stuff. Um, Ezra, what did you make to this? You're not up to much thing. Yeah, um, this was actually one of the tracks that lost the war of attention for me. Um, I kept getting bogged down in uh, Athlete Cured and Hillary and Das Vulture and a couple of others. And I listened to it once and I thought, oh, yeah, it's all right, this. But unfortunately, I neglected to get back to it. So I'll leave it at it's all right. Aye, fair enough. MCR doesn't get... A lot of love, but uh, I- I'm warming up more and more to it. Um, Alistair, this, ain't, this is not your bag, is it? Well, I'm not a great fan of the LP. Um, however, I think it's probably one of the better ones on there. I probably say that about every song from the LP. Yeah, I've but... been taking notes. You've said, I don't like Middle Class Result, <laughs> but but, all, but this is the best song on there, about literally yeah. every <laughs> song we've covered so far. <laughs> um, I think I'm, I'm quite familiar with it. I mean, we all remember sort of like Peel playing it to death. Um, at the time but I think um, the no bush thing is that it's one of its strengths um, it reminds me a bit of Elvis you know like the, the rhythm um, uh, the guitar and the, and the, the drums and the, the bit you mentioned where it sort of like changes after about 30 seconds that kind of like put me in mind a little bit of um, stereo lab the way that you know they, with the like the kind of, kind of the progression that they do um, it's like a bit of a kind of candid harmony in a way like it just makes it slightly discordant but not too discordant for it to be uh, um, like abrasive um, but yeah it's, it's, it's just like a, a dead standard nice you know pleasant pop song with, with, with uh, a bit of shouting on it nothing to complain about Aye. let's see what Tim thinks I, I don't think he's going for this one so he's uh, better than I remember it being still very indie sounding something I'd never listened to by choice but it definitely has something to it it's quite well crafted if very conventional alright shit alright shit Shit, indeed. So we got to take a three-way vote, and only one of them can go through. Does Vulture or Jap Kid or You're Not Up to Much? Um, I predictably am going for Vulture. How about you, Phil? Ah, uh, yeah, in the round, I can't do that. It's got to be Vulture, really. Okie dokie, Ezra. Das Vulture. I. Alistair? I'll go for not up so much, just as a futile, futile gesture. Futile. Pissing in the wind. Indeed. And what about Tim? Oh, yeah, what's he gone for? He has gone for Das Vult. Ah, so easy stuff in the end. And that takes it. Then we're done with the uh, era, era three for a bit. We still got about seven episodes left to round up the other three years for some reason. I do you think Brendan I could do another another sweeping up session uh, those that went out and uh, we're not sure if they should have done I think not up to much should be included in that because it's it's been a three way vote when they're all included how Every, everything that goes out they all go in the bag all the on the <laughs> shit bag but it, it's got no chance this is already let me remind you let me remind you a little bit of what's of what's in there, Alistair, right now. Oh, so, just bad bangs and you're not up to much. It's, it's just a pleasant uh, little one. DIY Meat, The Man Whose Hay Expanded, Medical Acceptance Gate, The Book of Lies, <laughs> Edinburgh Man, Paranoid Man in Cheap Shit Room, Dresden Dolls, Room to Live, loads of good stuff. We should just start again, like, like Danny said, we've done it all wrong. But let's <laughs> let's plow on. It's too late now. 
Let's have a listen to um, the right stuff off Reformation Post TLC. Still the fall's worst album, even though it has statistically more songs gone through than almost any other. Nowadays, eccentric lad who keeps false plastic women's bosoms smiles all round in the room. Ezra, does this tickle you? Eleni, knocking yeah, out of the park. Uh, this is probably one of the better tracks on the album. Um, <laughs> with fair praise. <laughs> it, it's, it's just hilarious hearing this story about fake boobs and the whole do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. But yeah, the production is kind of weak. Like, I don't feel like the drums have got enough heft to them. Like, I, I think the first time I was listening to it, I was like, where are the drums and i had to listen a bit closer and you know they came in but yeah it, it it's also quite long which is part of its charm but also part of its weakness like they don't change it up at all so they're bloody mindedly plowing that same riff all the way how how long is it i, I think it could be as long as six or seven minutes it's five minutes long yeah i think <laughs> yeah yeah it it's feels like five minutes. six or seven minutes but it, it's just got this charm to it as well, you know, like for background music, it's really quite perfect. And then like, you know, you'll just listen to it and you'll hear her say something about plastic boobs and you'll be like, oh, this song must be great. <laughs> you're cooking and listen to it and you'll be like, yeah, well, it is great actually, but yeah, they, they could have mixed it up a bit more. But it seems like the whole point wasn't to. Maybe you have to understand football to know why, because I don't. But yeah, that's, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Good I, don't, I don't know if it's necessary to understand football it does appear to be about Ian Wright being out and I'm a celebrity get me out of here this is definitely what the annotated fall thinks but um the um yeah in terms of it being that cheesy pop punk indie i don't i don't need the drums to be anything more than that or anything other than eleni going the right stuff in that kind of accent and then you know it reminds me a lot of um that band wet leg has kind of come out with that same kind of posh and they're english but their accents don't necessarily sound that way or, or kate lebon kind of stuff or uh, i love and uh has the fall connection by being uh, Tim Presley's partner in Grant. Um, I really like it and I, I would have loved her um, she'd, she'd kind of left the band before Smith passed away unfortunately because I do wonder if she'd still have been, been in the band and when they launched Imperial Wax whether they would have kept her in and um, and whether she would have done more lead vocals because maybe not for everyone And uh, but yeah it's really sweet I can't, <laughs> there's just something about it I think it's her finest moment 
Um, and yeah, those lyrics, growing up, his family had no problems with nudity. In fact, this held his dad in good stead when that woman trapped her scarf in the tube and some inconsiderable passenger left the window open. The window, the wind was blowing the right stuff. Um, love it. Hell, I saw a bit of a smile on your face as well. Come on, back me up on this. Well, I, I'm really in two minds about it because it's like I've done the whole Stockholm Syndrome thing with this album now. And it's like whenever I hear tunes off this album, album i do start smiling anywhere but it's, it's not because i think it's great music it's just because i've, I've kind of succumbed to its charm really um I, we love eleni we all love eleni everything eleni can do no wrong keyboard playing's great her voice sounds sweet it's all it's all good stuff but this song is like charming but not good <laughs> in my take. i don't mind it being on it's not offensive it doesn't piss me off so there's other tracks on this album that i get much more vitriolic about but uh, it's not one I'm going back to on a regular basis. It's I wouldn't start the mixtape off with it. Do you know what I mean? It's but I mean I do love Eleni. Did I say I love Eleni? We all love Eleni. We all love her. We all love but her. It's, 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 it's light work, isn't it? It's got really not got much going for it at all. The production is the least of its worries. It's, it's not anything else. There's no meat and potatoes for it to produce anyway, as far as I'm concerned. Um but I take the one positive actually about this is that um did I say that I love Eleni. The um that is that she just proves that she's as, as cool as any other women in rock and indie, doesn't she? It's like your Nikos or Kim Gordon from earlier on or anything like that, your Bridget Bardos. Do you know what I mean? She's she can hold her on with any of them, but uh, it's just a sh- I th- I think there's other uh Eleni shows which are much more uh awesome than this. Maybe there's just there just seems to be that that strain of really piss poor indie fall songs that no one else seems to like. We had um Guide Me Soft the other week and uh I think Van Plague and what what's the one that Bricks does early on that um well, the care coffee that one I'm not the um, the one about the the slaughterhouse uh, Bordell yeah Hotel Bordell all all of which have been voted off but I love all of those you say you like them as soon as you say you like them there's blood in the water isn't there I know <laughs> Alistair come on well I thought this one was about the um, Channel Five chat show but there you go I there. did I thought it was that as well yeah yeah. Right the guy, stuff. Yeah, the, the guy does that. He's, he's a big art when you win fan, apparently. So he, really? he'd be a bit of a fall fan as well. Um, Get him on. Yeah, yeah but it's been mentioned before, you got that nice sort of like Teutonic clipped vocal delivery that really reminds me of the head Cortez, um in like other sort of like female garage bands. Um, you know, it's got like a nice minimal minimalistic quality to it, like, but I just think it's like a good idea that needs developing. Uh, it's like it kind of like falls short somewhere. Um, uh, yeah, and it, and it does go on a bit as well, doesn't it? So I, I referenced Kim Gordon, Nico, Bridget Bardo, all those types. Do you Bridget think she gets, that bad, do you think she gets up to the height of Marcia Schofield, Al? You being our uh, in-house Marcia Schofield. <laughs> do you know what I think? I, I do think that. Um, Fall had some which well, weird female keyboard players who were fantastic. Yeah, two of them. Maybe, maybe they, three. They've all, they've, all got the, they've all got their own qualities. They, they all bring something different to the table. Who are you voting for, though? Nagel, Schofield, or a lady? What about Nagel? Julia. Julia. She's good. She's good. But we, we, we love Marsha and we love Eleni. Have we said we love Eleni? 
Um, let's, I love Melanie. I, I don't think Tim's going to like this song, so let's just pretend he's not written anything and move straight on to Chino off your future hour clutter. Go on, what did you say? You've written a bit of a scree on this one. Go on, then. Strap yourself in. In two minds about this one. Not a fan of the vocal delivery as a whole in the chorus, but have I mentioned I love Melanie? A bit restrained and maybe a bit nervous. I like the verses, though, especially the way they are quite evocative in a weird way. I absolutely hate the keyboard. Know. Constant fucking trills that last what I feel like half an hour in my head in, and are way too high in the mix. Way too high in the mix, I'll give him that one. It is up against Chino of Your Future, Our Clutter 2010. This is an know where it starts and finishes he just played all the intro and then jumped right to the middle of the verses fuck you <laughs> here you go play, play with some nice noise at about four and a half minutes let's let's treat the people to that uh, after you yeah. massacred the song Don't, don't give him too much. Yeah, Ezra, what did you? Uh, what did Chino do or not do for you? Oh, this was yeah. This blew my mind actually. I don't think I've properly heard this one before. Um, it reminded me a lot of Hittite Man with this kind of like desert psychedelia going off. I might be wrong, but I have a feeling Hittite Man is from the same album, Your Future Out Clutter. Uh, it, it's from you know, well, the one before or after, if not. So you said um, you were a missing winner in it. Isn't um, I can't remember. I can't remember what it's on. Let me have a look. Oh no, it's off. Um, do you recall it? Um, remit. Oh well, there we go. But yeah, um, I felt like it shared that atmosphere. You know, the kind of desert, desert psychedelia. But the lyrics were just wow, fucking great. I'll read some of these. The warmth that is inside cannot be made by your own scenes. Ink. She has lips like Freddie Legrand. The warmth that is sliding cannot be made. When do I quit? Can I leave this trench alone? You're right there, kid. When I can when can I leave this bed alone? Where can I leave this theatre alone? So and you know, from some of the parts in the song as well, I think he's talking about hospitals and that. And it seems like he's just talking about aging and your failing body. It's quite dark. Um, but also quite beautiful and really you know, you got a feel for him he's been plowing this trough um with this group for years and years to sometimes patchy success <laughs> and he's committed 
uh, his body to um, to drugs, and he's just asking himself, "Oh, how long have I got to keep doing this for?" Great song, pretty. I think it's damn strong. It, it is a strong one. Again, that big long menacing kind of intro with the prodding bass and those nice noises, and then yeah, when when it kicks in, Greenway comes in, comes through with it with quite a nice twangy riff. And um, yeah, those noises that you played there, I don't know if they're coming from um, Greenway's pedals or whether Elaine has got something going on, but uh, it's really nice. I think this is the lads at their best. It's, uh, it plows a, a heavy riff and, and Smith's kind of um, dancing sprightly kind of around the riff. He's not, um, he's he's reading it. He's, uh, he really kind of chooses his moments and it, it, it's very much like an instrument on on this on, on like the last song where the vocals were not but um yeah it's chalk and cheese between this one and the last one and it, that's why it's such so tough for me because I, I really love both of these styles of the fall um yeah top top notch and yeah it does seem like this era um you know things like slippy floor and things like being in hospital and there's definitely either um actual injuries being referred to in actual time in hospital or whether he's just you know drawing connections to that aging and there's some hints that maybe there's hot there's more war stuff going on but it's hard to pick out from the lyrics um yeah liked it a lot even though maybe it's a, a bit too um, minimal rockish for my liking but but not in a pubby way which at least i could give them a whiff of the pub in my ears and um yeah kudos because apparently they were more of a rock metal kind of backgrounds than, <laughs> than the lumpen pub rock that that smith forced them to play so maybe this was them um trying to persuade him a little that they can do other stuff what about you pip yeah i i'd say what i was thinking it sort of takes us full circle back to all sonic youth Faulkner, really doesn't it there's a, a lot of that kind of noisy approach to guitar work going on uh kudos to greenware really uh we do a lot of bashing of his stuff on the podcast and uh he comes up front i think on this lots of really really well crafted thoughtful guitar noise going on um i think the general there's a uh, an assuredness to the pace of the you know nobody's in a rush they are setting out an atmosphere and delivering on everything they set out there's you know there's no missteps in it really um and i think uh i like the phrase that uh as we can about the about desert psychedelia i think that really nails the feel of it all um it is like stirring into the sun on a bit of a, a darker acid trip isn't it um so yeah i i really like this one it did draw me although i didn't give it as um as much time as some of the other tracks that were newer to me this week but i do really like this it's a it's a good place and um i do feel like as the uh sort of token guitarist on the podcast can like you know give greenway a bit of kudos um on the track uh given how rightfully critical we are for some of the turd that he drags up on some of these records but um but yeah this is this is a good one hi alistair did this do it for you uh, yeah i thought it was a very accomplished sort of mature sounding tune you know i uh, don't get boring in any points like you know he 
we will really reminded me of um, uh, wilderbeast uh, sorry wilderness uh, by joy division and uh, Ooh, you know yeah. but with uh, a kind of like more of a, a not a plodding beat but like a more spacious beat where like steve morris is like you know very mechanical and you know he's he's, he's into the pace on the uh, on wilderness uh but yeah it's fairly generic riff like but what they do with it's all right um but the, the bass and the, the drums doing a great and the, like the noises over the top of it again Put me in mind of, uh, of like Martin Annett's production, which uh, Phil uh, referred to earlier. Um, so uh, all in all, it's a bit of a gawker, isn't it? Uh, you know. Yes, yes, it is. But what does Tim think? <laughs> He's put good shit, great audio fuckery throughout, and the guitar really works for me. Again, sort of surfish and introspective, and stacked against the washes of noise, it just fits nicely. Great Mez performance and wistful mode, latter day classic. Sweet. And so we all agree the Alaney song is the best one, and that goes through. <laughs> so uh, thanks everyone for coming. All right. So although I like Chino, I am probably by myself going for the right stuff. Um, Philip, gotta be Chino, I'm afraid, mate. Not as much. But I do love Alaney. Oh, you're not showing it really. <laughs> she, she, the, all of the what, what I've not told you is all of the fall get commission on these songs that they go through and so if you like you're you're literally taking food out of her mouth by not voting this this but through. I'm giving it to, I'm giving it to the rather slender green way. I, I guess I guess because so, it is it is the person that's most obvious on the track that gets the money. So um Alistair, which way are you going? I don't know if you've just been naughty and go for the right stuff, even though I think that Chino's better. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll be no. It's I'll a cover. Did he tell you it's a cover? <laughs> the right stuff. Which way are you going, Ezra? Well, I didn't come here to vote for love or for naughtiness. I just came here to vote for what is the right stuff, and that's Chino. <laughs> Taking care of business. He's playing with us. He's playing with um, us. What about Tim? He's got the deciding vote oh, here. Chino, three one. Alrighty, and so what that means is, un- unfortunately, uh, Chino does Vulture and Einutterwein, athlete cured, and Disney's dream debate all go through so um what have your lot got to say for yourselves what a great playlist though it's it's only going to get better now isn't it i mean more hard for us but the tunes themselves it's just going to be top tier yeah i mean mm. the running in that that, ter- that that first set for sure due to my mismanagement <laughs> Is, is is going to be good and uh, yeah once we get into round two absolutely and the, the chaff not, not that there is any but all it's all good all the chaff's gone so um, some of it there was a couple of a couple of weird choices Right. I think there'll be a few easy moments, but apart from that, it's just... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of gash <laughs> managed to sneak through. <laughs> um, but anyway, have a good evening and uh, the rest of your life, should I not see you again. And uh, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>